Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I recently rewatched this film in early June and I found myself um, really reflecting on how much of the film perhaps has influenced my way of thinking since the time that I first saw it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm someone who's really interested in slash completely obsessed with counterfactuals mm. and possibility mm. and just like the way that things could have been is constantly on my mind and I'm just always sort of thinking about that which is you know both a sort of fun thought experiment for a fiction writer because mm -hmm. you can kind of take characters and put them in those counterfactual situations mm -hmm. and see what happens and also somewhat torturous as a human <laughs> being because <laughs> like you just want to be present in this narrative that you're living Welcome to Open Forum. I'm Michael Denzel Smith. Helen arrives at work and is fired before she gets to her desk. In her sadness and rage, she rushes to the train and misses it by just a second, or she barely makes it on. The two scenarios play out, where in one timeline, Helen arrives home in time to catch her boyfriend cheating on her, and in the other, she gets home right after his ex-girlfriend is left. Both of these lives unspool in the imagined what if that can be traced back to a moment of pure chance. This week's film is Sliding Doors, and it was chosen by Zaina Arafat, author of the Lambda Literary Award-winning novel, You Exist Too Much. I think I have a similar, maybe not obsession, but it is something that I'm always thinking about, and I think a lot of us are in terms of, like, the little decisions that we make every day or the little things that happen, it's like, if I, I mean, the thing that always runs through my mind is just like, oh, if I didn't spend that money here and then I would have like saved it or I would have done, you know what I mean? Like I'm constantly, oh, constantly going through that thought process and like, yeah, the, the whole conceit of the film here is we follow the two stories, the parallel stories in which, you know, the little thing that happens is she's, or the big thing is that she's just been fired, Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Helen. And then she's catching the train and it's a matter of, you know, a split second of whether or not she catches it or not. And this sends her on two different trajectories. Um, and yeah, you know, I would not seen the film. I'd heard the term sliding doors and like seen it referenced before but had not actually seen the film. And actually, I don't think that I knew that it was, came from a film. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, exactly. That sort of split second, those the mo most minute decisions change mm -hmm. the entire the entire sort of trajectory of one's life. And and as you said, like, when it comes to finances too, right? You, you spend money here, that means you can't spend it there. So, like, the sort of opportunity cost of every decision mm -hmm. can be very high. It's just hard to measure it um, outside of financial numbers sometimes. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you, I could quantify that and say, oh, if I had this here and, and I would have, or 
you know, if I didn't spend that here, I would have been able to put it here. But like these sorts of things, it's like there's no telling. There's no sort of there's no mental process that you can work through to know exactly what would have happened if you had caught the train at this time or you had, uh, you know, whatever it is. You, you just can't go through that without all of the different elements. Uh, and like you're saying, sort of as a, a fiction writer, just dealing in those things and, and saying, well, this is what I think should happen based on what my knowledge of the world is or these characters are. Absolutely. You all, right. So since you can't sort of quantify, you know, what the opportunity cost is, all you can do is imagine it. Mm -hmm. And that imagining can be very, um, uh, no, I mean, I don't know. It can be nauseating. It's almost as nauseating as imagining the lives behind the pictures that you see on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and sort of creating an entire narrative based on somebody's feed um that may or may not correspond to the actual reality but it's the same with like imagining a counterfactual um to a decision and what the alternative would have led to so yeah Yeah. it kind of gets your mind just like going in crazy going to sort of crazy places i think but i i both enjoy that for some reason and also like i'm daunted by it (laughs) (laughs) no totally I, i relate to that in that you know i Probably a reason that I don't sleep is thinking through all of the the varied outcomes of my life. If one thing went another way, if I if I decided to study for that test, if I you know right. like all right. yeah, if I'd gone on right exactly, if I'd gone on that trip, or if I you know like so many some some like pretty big decisions and some like super duper tiny ones. Yeah, so, yeah. Like from the banal to the you know major, uh, you know, yeah. where you thinking through it, but. You know, here there's some major things that sort of play out about like the, the way that her her life turns out here, Helen, um, and the 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 turn I guess is that in in missing the train, uh, she is then mugged, um, yeah. and then she gets home late or a little earlier than she would have still, but uh, later than she would in the alternative timeline in which she catches the train. And in that timeline, she catches her boyfriend cheating. And that leads a whole different path, a whole path, uh, you know, where, you know, obviously, or maybe not obviously, because it doesn't happen all the time that people break up because of cheating. But I guess True. if you catch someone in your bed, you probably yeah. do. <laughs> right. That is sort of hard to recover from, I think. I think um, so. as, right. And she sort of moves out she, as a result of that. She moves out as a result. Scenario. But mm-hmm. in the other one, she doesn't catch him. She mm-hmm. uh, arrives a little late, and then she's still in this relationship in which he's carrying on this affair. Uh, and I, I kept, you know, it's a rom-com in, in many ways. So like there's, there's certain expectations of characters here, but uh, the boyfriend, Jerry, I, we, we watch and I'm just like, why is anyone interested in him? There are no oh. redeeming qualities whatsoever. <laughs> so funny this. because I, re- I watch, yeah, you're right. I mean, objectively, you're completely right. But when I was watching, I was recently watching it with somebody else and we were sort of 
the other person was like, oh, he's detestable, you know, he's awful. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, he's exactly the kind of guy that I would have fallen for um, a certain number of years ago at a certain point in my life. And I mean, he's charming. I know. (laughs) He's, he's, He's fun, for one thing. He's funny. He's, like, charming. He's intellectual. All these things that are irrelevant compared to... The, I mean, up, when up, like, measured against his character, which we as the audience know is, you know, a deceitful, manipulative, gaslighting person. But I totally would meet that guy and fall for him. <laughs> like, at some point in my life. Unfortunately. Okay, I'll grant you that maybe he's like fun and funny and all and he's intellectual and all of these things. And I'm really I'm not, this is not me trying to cast judgment on No, your... no, no, I should be judged for this. Like, <laughs> believe me, I'm aware. Like it's a pride my ticker used to be really skewed in the wrong direction. <laughs> but here's the thing. Even if he's all of those things, what happens in, in, or what we know in both timelines and what plays out even worse in this timeline where she stays with him is that he is not working because oh, right. he's attempting to finish his first novel. Totally. Yeah. And all right. I'm obviously we're both writers and look, I want support for the arts and all of those things. <laughs> like, please. But upon learning that Helen has been fired. He doesn't attempt to contribute to the household at all. He like, and this is she doesn't even know that he's cheating in this timeline. But he he makes no attempt to contribute to the household. She takes up two part time jobs to continue to provide while he's working on his novel, which really is him cheating on her with all these trips to the library. Oh, it's the absolute worst. I mean, like, of course, it's crazy that, like, he doesn't get a job to help out when she, I mean, you know, it's one thing to even have that scenario in the first place with your partner having a job. It's another for your partner to lose their job and then you to not even so much as lift a finger towards, you know, bringing in some extra money. But, like, it's just, like, compounded by the fact that we know that he's not actually working on this novel and is carrying on this affair. But, um, but I mean, who knows what he tells her, right? I mean, I, I can only imagine that he says things like, and of course, most people should be able to see through this, but some people, I suppose, can't. But he could, I could see him saying things like, oh, I'm, you know, nearly done. It's like, I'm convinced mm. it's going to, you know, be a bestseller, whatever. I mean, like, I just can only imagine how long he sort of like strung her along through this whole process, um, such that she has come to really believe in him and not want him to give up on his, you know, art. Um, even if that means taking two part-time jobs and failing to recognize that he's done absolutely nothing to help financially. <laughs> I'll do anything you want, Helen. Will you? In that case, I want you to stand up, walk over to the door, open it, walk through it, and close it behind you. He does seem to have convinced her that this is their meal ticket. Because uh-huh. at some point she she's exhausted from having worked the two jobs and they're like together and he's on the verge of sort of confessing but doesn't. But she says before that moment that I know when the book is published we'll be millionaires, which is uh, I'm just like, what are the economics of publishing in 1998 such that you think? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, it's so painful for us. I mean, there's so much dramatic irony. In 
films, we know so mm. much that the protagonist doesn't know. And for us to be listening to this nonsense coming out of his mouth and it just like so cringe inducing. Um, so yeah, of course he's just like despicable. But if I were the protagonist being fooled by him, I could see myself being totally fooled by him. Mm. Um, which is hopefully not anymore. Hopefully at this point in my life, I would not fall for that. But I, I at some hope point. For you. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> but that's not, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, amazing. But in the other one, which who she, she meets, I, I'm forgetting, yeah. I'm blanking on his name right now. His, uh, the... I think his name is like James. James, That's the, yes. yeah. James. So. She she meets James, uh, who is kind of annoying in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is just trying to talk to her and you know whatever he's trying he's attempting to flirt with her on on the train in this in this uh timeline in which she has actually caught the train, uh, and is a little annoying. But I feel like there's. There's a lesson for the many catcallers and attempted, uh, you know, uh, street harassers or what have you in this, and that he's apologetic at the end of it. Sure. He, he does, like, like, acknowledge that, you know, maybe she did want some space. Um, and, and our meet cute is, is, is rescued by his being apologetic. Yeah. That also, though, I, like, his character felt too good mm-hmm. like I, I knew i know the the you know the the dichotomy that we're sort of being set up for here is the you know what what good could come of this thing and what bad could come of this thing and he is meant to represent all that's good and he's patient and kind and listening and fun and funny and all of those things and quirky uh but he has no flaws and it was like this is a little irritating. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, it's true that he is presented as just so good. I mean, there's one point where it looks as though he has a major flaw, mm-hmm. where it looks as though, oh, he's been lying to her, he's actually married. Um, but in the end, you know, although I still think it's a flaw that he lies to her and yes. he doesn't admit that he's married, even if it's a separated marriage, but still, I'm just like, why didn't you just tell it? But he is presented a little too positively at the same time I just love him because of his sort of, I love his accent. He's got this great Scottish accent that's just so um, delicious. And he is funny and just so, he's not, I mean, maybe he's, he's not the sort of debonair, you know, strikingly handsome person. He's just the sort of like warm and good hearted and kind of like cares genuinely person, which I mean, I don't know. I I feel like even in his overly altruistic sort of representation, he still I st- I can buy it. Um, mm. Maybe because I have met people that seem I I feel like I've met some genuinely good people, and in fact, they often do get overlooked because of the fact that at least in to a certain subset of women, I guess my former self included. They often do get overlooked because they're not the sort of like overtly charming, debonair, sort of sweep you off your feet type of person, which is unfortunate. Um, so now I watch it and I'm like, oh, obviously that guy, obviously James, the, the good Scottish, good <laughs> Scottishman. Um, so anyway, if that makes sense. No, I feel that I think where where I sort of bristle in the presentation of like such nice guys 
um, is that <sighs> maybe I'm jaded, maybe I'm I'm a cynic, and maybe I just uh, can't believe in the existence of these people. <laughs> but I also like. What am I trying to say? I feel like for people who fashion themselves to be so nice that a lot of times their their ego is wounded when someone when someone uh, offers anything to the contrary, right? So in that moment where he's being a little annoying, but like practically nice to her on the train and she's just sort of like, you know, I just want to read my book. Like she just had this this devastating, uh, you know, loss of her job. It's like that. I always think of a, a a person, a guy, especially a man in that situation, who really genuinely thinks of himself as a nice guy, being wounded by that mm-hmm. to the degree that he would lash out. Gosh, that's so interesting. Yeah, you're right, but he doesn't lash out, right? Does yeah. He? No, that's the thing. He's very yeah. apologetic about it, right, and, right. and just like yeah. that. that I, and this is the rom com magic, I guess. Oh, <laughs> you're totally right. By the way, you're making a really nuanced point about nice guys, where it's like secretly they actually have this like really sensitive ego, or sort of like wounded ego, and this kind of like um, where if you slight them in some way, their image of themselves as nice guy is challenge insofar as they're like how do you not recognize what a nice guy mm-hmm. i am and then they like freak out you're com- that is oh my god that has happened totally <laughs> um i know that type i know that for like, for doing that like i know that as someone who used to be that right like right? who used oh, wow. to yeah, yeah, yeah. who used to very much invest in the idea that i was nice and i was overlooked in that like yeah. i was seething with rage over the fact exactly. of that you know Right, you're like, oh, they always, like, you know, what the hell, I'm so nice. Like, how does this, you know, person not see that? And, like, well, I totally see how that creates, like, this resentment and this, like, rage that then, like, totally negates the nice guyness. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess I, maybe that was me projecting and, like, and, so and thinking that, no, this isn't how these nice guys operate. This right, is, right, right. Love it. Some, some little, like insight from a former nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Helen, look, please don't think that I that I. Oh, it's okay. I, I haven't thought. I mean, I, 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 I didn't think that or not. No, I mean, don't think that I have not called you. I haven't not called you. I mean, I don't, I don't mean I haven't not called you because that's a double negative. So as to say that I have called you. When did you call? Uh, well, I, I didn't. But I, I didn't not call you in the way that you might think I didn't call you. Oh, dear. So, you know, we, we have these uh, these things play out um, in the, the, the two different uh, timelines here. But in the end, uh, you know, and there's lots of different things that, that happen uh, with regards to her, Helen's interaction with, uh, you know, her boyfriend's uh like Lydia, the the woman that he's having an affair with, and uh, the way that she feels about everything, and uh, lots of different stuff happens. But like where we get to is that in both timelines, she sort of ends up with James, but she ends up with James mm-hmm. in a very roundabout way in the one uh, 
uh, where she uh, missed the tr- where she uh, missed the train. Um, and so I guess it, it, it are we looking at something that's sort of giving us this? Are we are we basically expressing something about the idea of fate here that like we're we're fated to certain uh, you know outcomes in our lives? I think so. So that's the thing. The ending I found really off and mm. confusing. And I don't know if I should, I don't want to spoil it or should I just, I'm well, not worried about that. We could spoil it here. All right, <laughs> great. So like, I, that was okay. So, I mean, in the scenario where she misses the train, stays with the husband or with the boyfriend who's cheating uh, and ends up getting two part-time jobs and what have you, she still, in a roundabout way, as you suggest, ends up with um, James, right? And in the and in the other scenario where she leaves her boyfriend and meets James sooner, she still sort of ends up with him. But in both scenarios, she gets into a horrible sort of accident or she mm-hmm. gets hit by a car mm-hmm. and goes into a coma. Yeah. And what I and what I can't understand though, so in actually the fate is that she ends up in this coma, right? But like yeah. in either scenario, she's gonna get hit by a car at this moment. But then in one scenario, she dies. And in the other, she lives and goes on to meet James. Suggesting mm. that, and that's the one where she missed the train and stayed with the ex-boyfriend or stayed with the cheating boyfriend. So I guess the point is that in each scenario she meets James. However, in one of them she dies. So I'm like, what is? I don't get why. I still don't quite understand. Despite having, you know, watched I watched this one with my girlfriend and we talked about it afterwards. Mm. And we're like, why the hell does? Why does she die? Um, and I just still couldn't figure it out because. She doesn't have to die. I don't. I just don't get the necessity of that. Well, in that in that timeline, she starts her own business, and then she is going to be with someone that she seems to love. And Zena, a woman can't have all the good things in her life, right? I guess that's what it's, what's the message. Is. It's like, look, lady, like you got to start your own business. You got to have this good relationship for like a couple of months or however long. But you're, you know, you can't have it all. You gotta die at some point, like, and that point is gonna be right now. Like, um, is that what it? I mean, seriously, like, what is the deal? Because, yeah, it would it would make sense to me if she lived and goes home, you know, whatever, however many weeks later after the coma or days later, and mm-hmm. is with James. And then in the other scenario, she also lives and meets James in the elevator, you know, right as she's leaving the hospital because he's there visiting his mom. So, like, what? Why why does she die in one scenario? I don't know. I I my guess is only that they're just like they just saw too many good things happening for her. Like that yeah. like the she could not live out this life in which things actually were good and things work out. But I guess yeah. but the oh in the other one it seems like maybe that they're suggesting it's still possible, but mm-hmm. it's just like but but you must you must pay penance, right? Like the 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 payoff for her after suffering through the bad relationship and the working the two jobs to support this man who's cheating on her and all of that. Like then she gets her payoff in the end with her prince charming. Like that's right. the only path toward that. Right? Is it? It's a, I, okay. So that's the message, right? Is that like she gets at least some payoff for she at some point? Basically, the message is that like. At some point, she has to suffer. Either it's going to be by, like, 
staying with that cheating boyfriend and going through all of that and being lied to in the most like despicable way and finding out in a horrible way. Um, or she's going to like, okay, suffer a bit early on, catch him in bed, but then at least get this great relationship with this Scottish guy. But then she's going to have to suffer again and die. So I don't know. Um, is it such that like you can't escape suffering? <laughs> like, I, I don't really quite grasp it. I grasp the idea of fate manifesting in the fact that in both situations she has actually in both situations she gets pregnant. Um, and, and by, I suppose, different men, um, mm. one by the cheating boyfriend and one by the nice boyfriend. And then in both situations, she gets hit by a car at the, you know, or wait, does she get hit by a car in both scenarios? Yeah, she does. Well, yeah, well, not at the end. On the one where she missed the train, she got hit after being mugged. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the oh. end, it was uh, in yeah. that one. She uh, was running from the. Yeah. She she finds out. She finally finds out like that, that he's cheating uh, at Lydia's uh, place, and right. she's running away and falls down the stairs. Oh, that's right. She falls down the stairs. So in both, she has like a horrible accident, right? Mm-hmm. And in both, she is pregnant. And in both, um, but and in both, she does like meet James. But in one of them, she dies. And that, I just, I wish I could understand the point of her dying. That there was beyond just the idea that she can't have it all, which is maybe the whole point. <laughs> it, I, I feel like it may be. Uh, I took four bottles of vodka on Friday. It was my birthday. You know that. I was having a party and I was running late, so I borrowed some. I bought some more to replace it. Not a lot of use to me when I had nothing to offer the executives who dropped by late Friday. Off the top of my head, she could have told him you'd run out. It's it's popular stuff. Bullshit, bullshit. Oh, we're in PR. That's what we do, isn't it? You brought up that she in in both timelines actually she's pregnant. She's, she's right. pregnant with uh, James in the one, uh, and then uh, the the cheating boyfriend in the other. Uh, mm-hmm. But I I guess I. I don't want it to sound like I didn't like this movie because I kind of did. <laughs> like, and, mm-hmm. But there's things to pick apart, obviously. Um, and, oh, sure. And I guess where I was when uh, they have the sequence where in both timelines she's sort of fainting and like that's the cue that she's pregnant. Um, yeah, I, you, it's, it's very much telegraphed. I, I feel like it's not like subtle about it, but it made me yeah. start to think about like how often I see pregnancy as sort of this like plot twist, um, yeah. or like this device used to add drama to to a story such as this. And I'm just like, is pregnancy at this point like is it over? I mean, obviously this is 1998, so it's not. Yeah. I'm speaking from a 2021 perspective, uh, but. Even before then, it just feels like it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's something that's deployed in this way that feels cheap to me. I completely agree. I mean, of course, it's like, <gasps> it usually comes about, I don't know, like two thirds of the way through the movie as mm. well. And it's like, <gasps> yeah, it, it is absolutely overused as a sort of plot twist and a kind of like, I don't know, just sort of like one more obstacle on the way to the climax of the film. Yeah, and we like, have to, hi- to heighten the stakes, and it's just like, oh, pregnancy, yeah. there we go. Exactly, right? It's like, exactly. Somehow pregnancy, I mean, it's such an, it is an easy, um, it's a sort of cheap shot, right? Like, 
it, I mean, of course it's going to hide mistakes when you bring like that into the situation. And, and, um, and I guess it also sort of forces, especially when it's like a romantic comedy of some mm. sort, or even just like a, it forces some sort of decision usually as well. Yeah. Um, and forces like, if there's, you know, something that needs to happen in a relationship, you know, the, bringing pregnancy in it into the situation is going to either like make or break the couple, I guess. Um, because often that's the question that's driving the film. It's like, will they stay together? Will mm-hmm. she end up with so-and-so? It's like, okay, well, pregnancy is going to bring us closer to having to answer that question. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, in this case, I suppose her being pregnant in the scenario where she ends up with the cheating boyfriend helps to bring us closer to her finding out that he's cheating on her. Um, I mean, also his, the affair, the woman he's having an affair with is also pregnant. So that also certainly <laughs> helps <laughs> to, um, hasten the resolution of whether she's going to find out, whether she's going to say they're going to, you know, break up because she's been having an affair, what's going to happen. You know, so, and then in the other scenario, I suppose it kind of forces her to, um, to confront James after she's decided to sort of, after she's found out that he's oh you know been keeping something from her and has misunderstood the situation and thinks that he's lying to her and a malicious person when in fact he isn't so like she sort of has to see him again um but anyway yeah yeah or oh or maybe she doesn't know that she's pregnant in that scenario or does she no i think she does she did know she took the she took the pregnancy test right 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 right, yeah but like james didn't know right she doesn't get around to telling him before she falls into the coma but at least she wants to see him because she knows she's pregnant right yeah so yeah it does like it brings us closer to answering that eternal question that drives so many rom-coms like will they will they get together will they stay together mm-hmm. will they what have you so yeah i yeah. can't see yeah i mean if you want to you want to add oh sorry yeah sorry uh yeah if you want to add drama you add a pregnancy and in this case they added three so right. you know. oh, yeah, exactly. you either you add a pregnancy or three pregnancies or put a bomb on a bus that will detonate if the bus goes below 50 so like yeah very easy raising of the stake devices indeed <laughs> Dana, what's one lasting image that sticks with you from Sliding Doors? Gosh, that's such a great question. I mean, I have this image. One of my like favorite scenes, I suppose, is or what is is when he is cheating on her, mm. um, on Helen, and he is away on a like weekend trip with Lydia, mm. and he's like on the phone with her, and Lydia keeps panning back and forth between him on the phone with Helen, like we have shots of him talking, then we have shots of Helen responding, then we have shots of like Lydia in the bathroom um, making lots of loud noises, mm-hmm. uh, partly because she like stubs her toe, but also because she like wants Helen to find out. Mm-hmm. And it just is very sort of like, I think comedic and funny sort of scene that gives us, you know, insight into all three characters at the same time while he is, um, lying through his teeth so like i don't know i just for some reason that scene sticks in my head um and then there's there's another scene as well which is where she's in the scenario where she's broken up with uh, where she left the cheating boyfriend and 
it's um, James's friend's restaurant opening. Mm-hmm. And she's like helped to put it together because she does PR. And, and it's like this great opening night. And you sort of see her with her cool little short blonde haircut. Yeah. And we're sort of watching the restaurant through the window from the perspective of the ex, the cheating boyfriend who's, you know, feeling really sad that he's lost her and has now sort of come to destroy and destruct her new life and try and get her back. So that's another one. Yeah. Santa, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. This has been really fun. Thanks for listening to Open Forum, a podcast from Lit Hub Radio, produced by Justin Alvarez and hosted by me, Michael Denzel Smith. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe to Open Forum wherever you get your podcasts and or sign up for the Lit Hub newsletter to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Next week, a Jim Henson and David Bowie fever dream.